Welcome to the Storytime Clinic, where children's books and health collide. I'm your host, pediatrician Dr. Mfan Umarin, and every week I spotlight a children's book featuring a character with a health condition. My goal is to inspire conversations that will help all of us better understand and support kids with health conditions. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Storytime Clinic. Today, I am doing some investigative journalism, and you are going to be my informants, because this is the thing I've got to know. Where do monsters come from? I firmly believe that all children are born with the common knowledge that there are monsters in their bedrooms. Now, I don't know who started this rumor or how it spread, but many a bedtime has been sabotaged by this idea. So you poor naive parents out there, you may spend ages trying to convince them otherwise, but they know the truth and they will not go to sleep with a monster in their room. (laughs) Well, I don't blame them because they're real. And I know this from personal experience. The year was 1996. Location, my home in Nigeria. Situation, I woke up in the middle of the night and I had to pee. Now this is the scene. The power was out, which is not an unusual occurrence for my town at that time. But just to describe that it's a different level of pitch blackness and dead silence in the middle of the night without electricity. So never mind that the bathroom was just across the hallway from my room. It felt like a journey of a million miles. The thought of wandering out alone in the darkness was terrifying, but my bladder was not sympathetic to my fears. I had to go. So one foot poked out from the covers, and then the next. I gingerly inched towards the bedroom door, stepped out into the hallway, and had my hand on the bathroom door handle. And that's when I heard it. A deep, guttural sound that grew into a loud roar and vibrated through the house. Definitely a monster. I turned around and dashed back into my room and leapt onto my bed. And the sound kept coming and going and coming and going in waves. It was only a matter of time before I got eaten. I was sure of it. It took several minutes for my heart to stop pounding out of my chest and for me to realize that it was my aunt who had just come for a visit who was snoring in the next bedroom. So, why did I take you on this journey with me? We all know somebody who snores. And we all probably know the same amount of people who firmly deny that they snore. (laughs) Most of the time, snoring is not really a big deal, except for maybe waking up the people around you. But sometimes it can point to a more significant problem, one that may call for surgery. In this episode, we are talking about one of the most common surgeries that children in the United States undergo, and that is a tonsillectomy. We'll talk about what a tonsillectomy is, when your doctor might recommend one, and how to prepare your child for the surgery. Okay, let's go. 
what are we reading today? Well, the book of the day is called Tattletale Tommy and the Kissing Tonsils by Dr. Katina Curran. It's a short chapter book, and I would call it an earlyish reader. I say this because this would be an appropriate book for an elementary school child, but they may need a little bit of help here and there with the vocabulary. So Tommy is our main character, and as you can tell from the title, he has a little problem running his mouth. So it's almost a relief for everyone around him when he gets a sore throat and he can't do quite as much talking and therefore can't cause quite as much mayhem as usual. <laughs> Tommy ends up at the doctor where we find out about the second part of that title, the kissing tonsils. So let's step back and get our bearings for a bit. What are tonsils exactly? Well, tonsils are two small masses of tissue that look like little round balls at the back of our throat, kind of on either side uh, of the back of our throat. And what they are is that they are part of the immune system and they contain lots of white blood cells and lots of other tissues there that help fight infections. Some people's tonsils are just naturally bigger than others. But when they are infected, tonsils swell even bigger. And a long time ago, some very romantic physician looked into someone's mouth and saw that the tonsils had gotten so big that they were touching each other from either side of the throat. And he came up with the term kissing tonsils. And so there we have it. Okay, back to our book. So here's what's going on with Tommy. He's got kissing tonsils. Now we know that that just means very large swollen tonsils. He's got a fever. He's got a sore throat and a tender neck. These are all signs of tonsillitis, an infection of the tonsils. Now, you guys have all probably heard of strep throat, which we commonly worry about when someone has a sore throat. Well, strep is just a kind of bacteria that can cause a throat infection and can also cause tonsillitis. So a lot of times when we're worried that a kid has tonsillitis, we may send a throat swab to check for this particular bug, strep. So Tommy has tonsillitis, and we find out that he's had this infection multiple times over the last couple of years. That is an important point to think about. We also find out that he has another problem because of his tonsils. Tommy has been snoring. So we talked about snoring a bit right at the beginning of the episode. Let's go back and talk about snoring and how it happens. So when we sleep, you know, everything is very relaxed, our whole bodies, including the muscles and the tissues in our upper airway. So these relax and they can get a bit floppy and they can actually partially block the airway. So this snoring sound is actually what happens when air is trying to get past those floppy tissues when we breathe in and breathe out. In children, another thing that can add to this obstruction of the airway is the size of their tonsils. So remember how we said that tonsils are part of the immune system? Well, as we know, children tend to get a lot of infections. They're around other children who are germy <laughs> and they're all touching and sharing things. So they get a lot of infections. But also because they're so young, 
they haven't been exposed to lots of infections yet. So they get sick often, and this is almost like a training for their immune system. But because of this, we know that the tonsils get bigger in response to infections. And so children's tonsils tend to be a bit bigger than adults um, because their immune systems are so active with these multiple infections. So put that together with the fact that children have a smaller airway than adults do. They have got bigger tonsils and smaller airways. So they're more likely to have a bit of obstruction when they sleep, which causes them to snore. And this will get worse in the setting of um, a throat infection or when they're sick with an upper airway infection. So Tommy has tonsillitis and Tommy has been snoring. Because of the snoring, we know that he has a little bit of obstruction in his airway when he sleeps. Earlier, I said that most of the time, snoring may not be anything to worry about at all. All of us probably snore at one point or another in a particular position, um, and it's not a big deal. So when might it become an issue? Well, when this airway obstruction is more significant during sleep, it can affect the way that oxygen gets to our bodies. Whenever someone has breathing difficulties during sleep, we call this all sleep-disordered breathing. But in the most severe form, it is called obstructive sleep apnea, which is probably a term that you've heard before. So the obstruction being what we talked about earlier with some of the tissues getting in the way of airflow. And sleep apnea, meaning that you stop breathing completely for several seconds at a time during sleep before your body kind of gets the signal that, hey, you need to wake up and take a breath. This can end up happening multiple times during the night. So frequent episodes of not really breathing for several seconds and then triggering your body to wake up. So frequent waking up during the night may interfere with the quality of sleep overall. So a child may complain about feeling tired, even after what seems like an adequate amount of sleep. And we know that children are, are very sensitive to sleep, having good sleep and good quality. And so this may manifest as acting out, behavioral issues, difficulty concentrating in school. Um, these are all symptoms that may result from obstructive sleep apnea. So how do we find out if this is actually going on? Well, we can use something called a sleep study to monitor how often these apnea episodes happen during sleep, how frequently a child is waking up out of sleep, and also we can monitor their oxygen levels during sleep. And looking at all these things together can give us an idea of how significant of a problem the snoring and the obstruction is. Can you imagine going to the hospital just to sleep? <laughs> but this is sometimes part of what we do because in children, the sleep disordered breathing is one of two main indications for getting a tonsillectomy. The tonsillectomy being the surgery that removes the tonsils. Now, I just want to make a point here that Having big tonsils is not the only reason for uh, the sleep-disordered breathing. Children who are obese 
or children who have other underlying problems with the nerves or their muscles that cause them to naturally have some weakness in those tissues, they are going to be at higher risk anyway for having sleep disordered breathing. But if the tonsils are particularly big and they're contributing to that problem, because again, they're kind of blocking off the airway during sleep, it may be helpful to get them out. The other reason to get a tonsillectomy is recurrent throat infections or tonsillitis. We talked about Tommy having had several infections over the past couple of years. So the exact number will vary, but the ENT doctor, the ear, nose, and throat specialist, would be able to review the history, look at the number of infections a child has had, look at any sleep problems they might be having, and be able to come to a conclusion as to whether or not a tonsillectomy might be helpful. So, Tommy has both of these things we're talking about, and he's heading towards a tonsillectomy, even though he is adamant to his mom that he needs his tonsils. How can we just take them out? (laughs) Well, it turns out that even though the tonsils are part of the immune system, you don't actually need them, meaning that your body is still able to fight off infections without having those tonsils there. So... As a recap, we've talked a bit about what tonsillitis is, which is an infection of the tonsils, which are part of the immune system. We talked about why we might need a tonsillectomy, which is having recurrent multiple infections of the tonsils, or having sleep-disordered breathing, that means breathing difficulties with sleep, that are significant enough to cause issues. Tonsillectomy is one of the most common surgeries that are performed in children, as we mentioned earlier, and we may do up to 300,000 of these a year. You may also hear the term called tonsillectomy and adenoidectomy, and adenoids are essentially very, very similar to tonsils. They're another collection of immune cells that are found in the back of the throat. They're just in a little bit of a different position as the normal tonsils that we can see. So now, preparing a kid for surgery. We've talked in other episodes about how the hospital can be a frightening place for children because it's just very unfamiliar. They don't know a lot of times why they're there or what's happening. They don't know what to expect because most of the time this is a new experience for them. And so it's usually really helpful to be able to prepare children in advance. And this I found is is a collaborative activity between the healthcare professionals and the parents at home that may get a lot of the questions from the kids because kids may not be comfortable asking these questions in the clinic environment. So this book Tattling Tommy and the Kissing Tonsils, was written by a nurse anesthetist. A nurse anesthetist is very similar to an anesthesiologist. This is a person who helps to put the child to sleep during the procedure and make sure that they stay pain-free during the process as well. So because she's so familiar with helping children through 
this procedure. I think that Dr. Kern did a fantastic job of laying out the process in this book in a very kid-friendly way, in a way that can be used to help uh, give children an idea of what to expect in this situation and to prepare them a little bit. So we see the whole process of Tommy as he starts out going to his general doctor, he gets referred to the ear, nose, and throat doctor, he finds out about the surgery, and then he meets the nurse anesthetist in the book, Nurse Nene, before the procedure. (laughs) Nurse Nene is great because she gets to know Tommy a little bit, she asks about his interests, uh, which karate is a big part of his his life and (laughs) everything that he's interested in right at this point. And she also kind of walks him through what the process is going to look like from his standpoint. The things that Tommy will remember is what happens before the surgery and what happens afterwards. He will not be awake during the procedure, so he doesn't know anything about that. So in the book, Nurse Nene tries to put Tommy at ease. She shows him a lot of the equipment that she will use. So she lets him touch and feel the anesthesia face mask that will be on his face ahead of time. And this is what and this is what she will use to administer the medications that she will use to put him to sleep. He gets to choose the scent that he wants to breathe in while he's going to sleep. And she allows him to bring an object with him that day that will help keep him at ease. So as we talked about in the previous episode on child life, a bit of preparation can go a long way in calming children's anxiety about medical procedures. So I think this will be a great tool to answer questions that children who might have a tonsillectomy coming up um, might have. The book also touches a little bit on care after having a tonsillectomy. So the part that a lot of children love is the fact that they get to eat cold foods, popsicles, ice cream, things like that. These are just things that will naturally help their throat feel better right after a tonsillectomy. So kids love that part. (laughs) After having a tonsillectomy, it might take a little bit of time for that throat soreness to go away. So during that time, it's really important to help the kids stay well hydrated, to maybe use some pain medications for a couple of days afterwards as well, to encourage them to still take some fluids by mouth. And then we can gradually work our way up to softer foods and then going back to a regular diet. It's also important to stay away from doing too much uh, roughhousing or strenuous activity for a couple weeks afterwards, again, to really allow your throat to heal up properly. There's a couple other points in the book that um, Nurse Nene adds as well and kind of explains why all those things are important. So again, the strength of this book is that it walks through the entire process of needing and getting a tonsillectomy, but in a kid-friendly way, so embedded into a story that has other 
plot lines going on, a story with likable characters. And I also need to give a shout out to the illustrator because I love, love the cover of this book. So we have Tommy and Nurse Nene, and they're both in scrubs, and they both have a karate belt on top of their scrubs because, again, this is Tommy's thing. And they're just kind of kicking their way through the hallways of the hospital. So I absolutely love that. Um, it brings some personality into the book, and it makes the whole experience a little bit more approachable to a child and a little bit less scary. So again, the title of this book is Tattletale Tommy and the Touching Tonsils, and it's by Dr. Karina Curran. And I would definitely recommend this if you have a child um, that is going to be facing this procedure, a tonsillectomy procedure. Or if you're a doctor and you have patients who might be going through this procedure, this is an excellent book that will help give them a, a great overview of the whole process. Okay, well, that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, and I hope to see you in the next episode. For the show notes and links to the books I cover in this episode, please head over to the podcast website at www storytimeclinic.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share this podcast with other people who may be interested. I'd also love to hear from you if you have book suggestions or health topics you'd like to see me cover. If you want to give me some feedback and help me make this podcast more valuable for you, you can leave a review on iTunes or send me an email at thestorytimeclinic.com at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode.